0: Skip it, the to the do 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 do
1: to the do
2: We are so excited that you're joining us on this episode. But before we go into introductions, I will ask that you please pull out your phones if you don't already have it around you and go on iTunes and rate and review Not Your African Cliché because the more rates and reviews that we get, the more visibility um, and the more people get to get this content. So with that said, my name is Onyeka, aka Yeka O, and I'm joined by my amazing co-hosts and a guest and we're going to let the co-hosts go ahead and introduce themselves and we'll let you know who our guest is.
3: Hey everyone, it's Amayo.
2: Hey everyone, it's Ife. Hi
0: guys, this is
2: Ife. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, today we have a special guest on the show, and I'm super excited that this person is on here. I did not tell this person they were going to be introducing themselves because I knew they were going to overthink it. So, (laughs) ma'am, can you please tell us who you are?
4: My name is Sarah Jean-Philippe. I currently go by JP for the sake of there's usually more than one Sarah's in the room. Um, I'm a recent graduate of the University of Tennessee. I attained my master's in clinical mental health counseling, and I am currently working at a psychiatric residential facility. Ooh.
2: Girl, you just I sound so good. I'm like, that's my friend. <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, so Sarah and I went to undergrad together, and if I ever got into any trouble, Sarah was probably the reason why. Um, (laughs) so so (laughs) yawa just saying (laughs) real
1: yawa indeed
2: um so on today's episode as you can already tell by the title we're going to be talking about mental health in africa and i'm just super excited that sarah is here to give us like you know the more professional um i guess (laughs) outlook on things um and so just to start it off sarah i'm gonna ask you this question what is mental
4: illness yeah. Yeah. What is mental illness? What is mental illness? Um depends who you ask. Generally I I I go with mental health versus illness because mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. it, it it makes it sound like a, a disease rather. But um mental health is basically a person's a person's overall psychological, social and emotional well being. And basically it's how we think, what we feel, how we act. Just lumped up um and it it it's affected by everything everything plays a role in mental health so everything from your genes to life experiences to family history to trauma um which all in itself is com- <laughs> complicated um so yeah overall well-being would be would be my response
2: and this friends is why we have her on the show thank you, you sound like a textbook <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard it described so succinctly i try (laughs) so i'm gonna go around and um have everyone tell us what like their first encounter with someone um who might have had some mental health issues um and like what were your reactions to it yeah so let's go with that first encounter first interaction and what was your reaction
1: this is Ife. the first i think my first account my first encounter with mental health was when i was maybe like five or six you know in nigeria there's some people who walk around this st- walk around talking to themselves or look very unkempt mm. or are naked and people say like, ah don't you know be careful don't walk too close to them mm. that's your for he's he's run mad so my first image of mental illness has been the extreme end of mental illness where the person is no longer in this. I don't want to say what's the, I don't know the <laughs> the professional description, but when the person is, you know, as, as you can see that the person has lost it. If mm-hmm. you, I don't know if that's a good way to describe it, but Yeah. Yeah
2: what was your reaction
1: mm. Were you was it like an up close um topic? it was not up close it was more more oh you're crossing the street there into the market or you're in the car and you're like i was like you know who's that what's going on with that person and they go oh, that person is that person is mad and i think my reaction was like first why doesn't the person have any family mm. why isn't anyone helping them then after a while, it's it, you become desensitized and you just be like, "What's he and you just you know mm-hmm. cross the road to the other side and go around your way and you know try not to agitate them, try not to make them angry or upset because they could come after you and and attack you. So that was yeah.
4: I kind of I kind of have a question to that though. Hmm. Outside of just seeing the person looking, I say, out of the norm, what would make you Who's think? speaking? Oh, this is JP. This is Sarah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <No problem. laughs> I'm new to this, guys. I'm new to this. <laughs> 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 what, what other aspects gave you the impression that they had a mental illness? Or was it just you were told that? I
1: I think it it was because I was told that. Okay. So they were uncapped. They were, like, naked. So somebody walking around, bare feet, really oh. dirty, Really, ant- muttering to themselves. Yeah. I think those are obvious or stereotypical signs of somebody who's mentally unstable. So it's it's possible that it's not you know it might not be as extreme as it looks. Mm-hmm. But lay people, mm-hmm. you know, and we're like, Ugh, this person just doesn't look right. Avoid them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. This is Ifeanyi here and. What I just came to mind is, like, there's a spectrum of mental illness or mental... Yeah, so what mental illness looks like. Um, And so the example that Ife just gave is... Is the example of mental illness that I feel like as growing up in Lagos was the definition of... It was the... Yeah, it was, like, essentially the definition of what mental illness looks like. And even though, like, now... I'm in a place in my life where I realized that there is a spectrum of mental illness. But as a child, it seemed like the mental illness looked a certain way. And that was, um, you know, you had lost, gone, you know, gone crazy. You're running the streets. You're homeless. You're talking to yourself. You're typically like nude on the streets. You're dirty. You're talking to yourself, all the descriptions like Ife gave. And growing up, that was the visual representation of mental illness that I had. Um, But since then, I think going to college in the States definitely opened my eyes to what mental illness could also look like and how it looks very different for everyone And I remember, like, my first year at Mount Holyoke College, which is where I went to school, um, every floor in each dorm has a notice board. And so I remember, like, the resident advisors would, like, have, you know, flyers from the counseling center and different centers on campus. And so I remember one being on mental health and, like, if you're feeling this way, if you're feeling blue, if you're feeling down, like, go, you know, talk to somebody, let somebody know. And I remember thinking, like, just essentially, like, thinking that was silly, um, in my first year, uh, and not realizing that that was, yeah, essentially, yeah, not recognizing it as something real and important. I'm like, oh, there are bigger things to worry about, um. But I think that was definitely my first introduction to like the fact that mental illness represents itself different ways, and it's not as extreme as being on the street mm-hmm. naked. That being said, I feel like there might have been people in my life who are struggling with uh, mental health that I definitely was not, especially like in boarding school. Mm-hmm. But not being, but not being aware of that, of being ignorant about it. And so, brushing it aside as them acting up, seeking attention, mm-hmm. um, needing to pull themselves off by their bootstraps, being lazy, things like that. So I want to say like I definitely encountered someone with struggling with mental health like in boarding school, but didn't know that that's what it was,,
3: mm-hmm. okay, Amaya? I? Yeah, I think if anyone anyway, definitely brings up a good point. So I don't, I don't remember my first encounter with um, um, mental illness or mental health as a topic. I don't, I don't remember like my first. I don't. I just don't remember any. I don't remember anything. But if anyone anyway, does bring up a good point about how, um, there are many people who like when you think back at like. Primary school, secondary school, from like now, like with what we know now, clearly they had mental um, issues, Mm -hmm. but they were either afraid of bringing them up and you know talking about their problems because they were afraid of being ostracized by society, or like even if they couldn't help but express these um, these traits. I mean they just weren't given the attention that they went that they needed mm-hmm. right so I mean it's just it's a, like it just boils down to our topic today like how mental illness is not given the attention i needs in Africa as a continent and how they really need like, we really need help in developing our health sectors mm-hmm. um because it's it's really, really important, like I know this this isn't exactly a mental disorder, but I mean some of the symptoms kind of are so like one of my cousins has Down syndrome, and just seeing how like her education has her education in Nigeria has slowly come to a halt because
1: mm-hmm. there aren't
3: any facilities that can mm-hmm. you know cater to her needs. Wow. Um, okay. it's just it's really heartbreaking because, as a point, you really don't know what to do. Like people don't have patience here to deal mm-hmm. with, and um, special needs kids. Mm-hmm. And, and like coming from like after schooling in America, and just seeing all the resources that people have over there, the funding, and you know the special classrooms and special teachers who are dedicated to these kids and then coming back here and just seeing like absolutely nothing, like barely anything to support people dealing with different illnesses is just really sad but yeah hmm. um,
2: JP do you want to tell us what your first encounter was probably not as dramatic as <laughs>
4: some of these but I, like, who knows? Um, I was thinking about it as everybody spoke that my first i don't really know my first encounter but i knew I, I i interned um at the very psychiatric residential place i am now working um for my undergraduate practicum and i think that was my true exposure yeah. um to the diagnosis because otherwise And this, this, I can go on guys. Don't let me go on. (laughs) Um, it looks different to different people. Mm. And unless you're told this is the issue said person have, I don't, I'm not quick to jump and say, Oh, this person has mental health issues. So mm-hmm. I think be working in a facility where I knew everybody that I'm encountering, this is their issue, mm-hmm. kind of shaped my experience. And it kind of, like, directed my path from from there forward. Um, So, yeah, it was nothing dramatic, um, nothing life-changing. I, but it was weird because the first day I interned, I, I knew this is where I was going to end up. Like, this is the population I want to work with specifically. Um, but, yeah, so no dramatic. I guess I didn't answer your question, but that was my answer to your question.
2: <laughs> um, For me, I remember very clearly my first time encountering someone who um, had a mental health disorder. Um, it was in primary school, and I was probably, like, in primary one or first grade, right, and where my primary school was on our route to get home, there was just this one guy who was on this spot on a dinner and he had like long dreads, and he would dance and sing and talk to himself, and then like sometimes he would get agitated and start chasing people um uh, and I would remember seeing that like, on my way home all the time. And it's just, like, a mixture, I think, for me of fear. Like, if my parents were to, like, leave me in the car to go to the bank, which is another thing. Anyways, but leave me in the car, go to the bank, and, like, is he going to come get me? Like, what am I going to do? So there was definitely that um, feeling of fear. Um, As far as, like, now... After being in the U.S. for a while, and like you said, like the spectrum of what mental health disorders are. Um, yesterday, Sarah and I were talking about like alcoholism, like is alcoholism a mental health um, disorder? And I'll let her talk about that a little more. Um, like if we say that, yes, it is, then I definitely know that growing up, I saw um, alcoholics, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean I definitely was exposed to a lot of it and now I'm more aware of what it is than I was then for sure. Um so Sarah kind of alluded to this earlier when she was talking about um what it like what did the person look like? So what are some of the community stereotypes that you would say people have of men people who have mental health disorders
4: or just mental illness in general? This is this is JP speaking, and I'm gonna give you the one I hate the most. I hate when people say this when people mood swing and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm bipolar." That gets on my nerves so much um, because they don't even understand the context of what they're saying or what they're quote unquote wishing upon themselves. Um, And I always correct people because, and granted, everybody has mood swings. And in essence, if we bring it down to the core bipolar is about going from manic to depression manic to depression it's 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 just up and down so the 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 core of that statement is right but it's that's not what you are don't go around self-diagnosing yourself
1: at least that's what I was taught this is Ife here the so the stereotypes, some of the the stereotypes I already mentioned, the unkempt person who hasn't, who's muttering to themselves, chasing strangers on the streets, all of that. And one of the harmful things in Nigeria, anyway, that I'd speak of is, you know, when you tell somebody that you're feeling depressed, they'll be like, oh, I reject it <laughs> in Jesus' name. You're not yeah. feeling depressed. It's <laughs> like, okay. Oh, so gosh. it's just, it's just a, it's yeah. taboo to talk about. So it's not... It's not explored, it's not it's not critically thought about, it's not examined in any way. It is just, oh, we cast and bind you are mm. well in Jesus' name. Mm. And it's it's very that's one big thing that's that you can by the sheer power of your will, you can overcome mental illness or mm. by the anointing blood and you know oh, anointing oil, you can, you can overcome that, and you know it's it's possible if if you're a Christian, and I'm I am a Christian, I believe that God can intervene in anything, but that doesn't mean like for example, you have a broken leg, will <laughs> you pray for it to mend and not to go to the hospital, you know? Um, so yeah, those are the the stere well the stereotypes or the stigmas or whatever the untruths associated with mental health that I know
3: this is Amayo here um so I think I don't know I'm not sure if this is exactly a stereotype but I think one thing about mental health in well here is the idea of okay this person has this illness and like the almost immediate response is disassociation Mm -hmm as opposed to paying attention, giving the person more attention. So it's like you find so many people who have been disowned by their families or, you know, they just never received the attention and care that they needed. And instead of people to help them and be there for them and put them in, in proper institutions, they just you know left this person this one is either possessed by devil or this one is bringing bad luck to our family or this one is a disgrace to our family this one is a shame or they are doing them from the village somebody exactly exactly like somebody has put this jazz on like i'm just like are you serious like nigerians or let me just say nigerians are very superstitious so any bad thing you know it's is one god or one you know so something that like it's a mental illness like these things happen to people get real like you know it it, just because it's happening to you doesn't mean that you have been specifically chosen by the devil to be haunted. and it's just dumb i'm sorry but i can't understand it like like somebody is suffering and your immediate reaction is to disown the person or shame the person like just make the person feel unwanted like i would never understand that it doesn't make sense to me. Especially when it's your family member. Like you would think that some people would, you know, show some love. But some people's reactions to show the opposite and it's just it's really it's really, really sad. But I mean I mean I, I'm I believe things are getting better. Right? Like it's not all bad or it's not getting worse here. But we definitely, definitely, definitely still have a long way to go.
0: Um this is Ife and I think some stereotypes I know of when it comes to mental illness is. <laughs> I don't know. I just like jotting down some keywords, and I don't know if it's because like mental health has to do with the mind. And that there's some stereotypes that, like, oh, if you say you have mental illness, it means that in some sense you're lazy or you're not strong willed, you're not trying enough. Like, <laughs> it's almost like, oh, you know, if you don't like you're not, like, serious, you're not a serious person, you're weak, I, they're just these stereotypes that, like, you know, almost like if you close your eye and think really hard, and, you know, you can, I don't it's just, it's, yeah, it's really weird, so I think some of the stereotypes are that, like, you don't need medication for it. You just need mm-hmm. to, like, not want to be... <laughs> it's just... Uh, the, you know, when I even think about it, I just... I'm laughing with disbelief. But, um... Yeah, so I think this, Those are some of the stereotypes. And then there's this... I I think also sometimes the stigma comes with this... Incredulous idea that it's contagious, right? So, <laughs> you're saying, like, you know, people distancing themselves. It's, like, almost like, ah, if I stay too close to you, he's going to catch me, too. Like... <laughs> I'm like, "Mm, that's not how it works. Um, But, yeah, so it's almost like, oh, I need to distance myself from you because I feel like if I hang around you long enough, then I'm going to catch it as well. Um, And I don't, you know, and I don't really know what this is tied to. And I want to presume that maybe it's in, in a way it's because we're helpless to it. We just don't know how to deal with it. You know, I don't know if you have a headache. You know, you know, like take t- panadol, take Tylenol. With mental health, I think people just don't know how. There's, a, I think, there's a sense of helplessness, and that manifests itself itself in, you know, distancing ourselves from people who have mental health or like condemning them and antagonizing them when it released really them from the fact that we just don't know how to handle it.
4: This is JP speaking. Um. One, I misunderstood your question earlier, but I kinda wanna piggyback on what was just said. I think the issue is we we fear what we do not understand. And I and I, I think that's where the stigma lies that because mental health isn't this cookie cutter type diagnosis. So what we do, we, we, we end up categorizing it in a pretty little box. We say, oh, it's rich craft, Or we say it's because of demons. Or we say it's because you're weak. Or it's a, you know, you chose this. You chose depression. You just you just need to get over it. Like, mm-hmm. this this is a choice. Um, but in, in my mind, it all stems from we just don't take time to understand it either. And I think that's where the distance you were alluding to earlier comes from it scares us
3: I mean and like following up on what you both just said like for example before I went to college um I, I never really understood food like eating disorders right I, I just I I mean I just I definitely definitely trivialized the whole concept because I didn't, I just did not know. I never bothered to really look into it and read into it. It was just like, oh, people, people don't like to eat, and then when they do eat, they throw up. Like people just like want to be skinny, and you know. And then I, I got to college, and this was my junior year of junior year. And I met somebody who had, or well, who had who who at the time, and she still does have an eating disorder. And I mean, I got really close to her. We like were fellow RAs. And just like hearing part, like just parts of her story and everything that she had been through in life, like from high school to like coming to college and at a point dropping out and then coming back, and it's just like it's a big deal. Like I, I wanted to cry for myself because it was just, it was just too much that I was being exposed to. I was just like, wow, like, you've just been living in ignorance and just never bothered to like really like ask questions and read, and you know. And it just made me really sad because I mean, it's not like I had anything against people who had eating disorders. I just didn't realize how serious like they could be. And I'm not saying that people don't fake these things, but like, there are people out there who really don't really know what it's all about, mm-hmm. and they claim that they have these things. But people who really do have them, like it's like people go through hell. Like people go through so much, and people just don't understand them. And then people not understanding them just makes them even crazier. Like it's just.
2: I think for me, um, Yika over here, one of the biggest stereotypes slash misconceptions is just the idea that Nigerians do not have mental illness. Like, as far as, like, Nigerians get depressed, ah, uh, uh, how, or, like, Nigerian suicide, how. But the reality is, more often than not, you do see people who are depressed who might not necessarily end up committing suicide and but you do see people who do right so just the whole misconception that uh, no words or it's like we're too hard work like if anyone was saying like it's for lazy people the idea that no we're too industrious and too hard working for it to happen to to any of us and i'm just i don't know so the reason why i kind of picked this topic and it's something i've been trying to like understand in my mind but more recently when the whole um Twa Savage and T Bills saga happened and this is not even about their personal life, you know, drama, but just the reaction that a lot of Nigerians had to was the fact that, you know, it was said that he was having he was going through depression. And people were like, ah no, maybe he should have gone to a better bridge to go and jump off if he really wanted to commit suicide. Or if he really wanted to commit suicide, he wouldn't have told people. And I'm just like clearly friends we are completely uneducated and illiterate as to signs of people who want to commit suicide or people who are going through depression um so sarah i'm going to bring it around to you um just be thinking about like like what are some of the telltale signs of someone who um is depressed or someone who you know is contemplating suicide as an ra in college I had um, a student who was about to commit suicide and it was so funny because, well, not the situation was funny, but during RA training where they give you all the worst case scenarios and they're like, yeah, but this probably wouldn't happen, but we're just telling you. And it was my first time being in RA and I was like, dear God, like, what do I do? So Sarah, can you tell us some of like the telltale signs of someone who might be contemplating suicide, things to look out for um, that people should know.
4: Suicidal ideations, signs. One sign is an extreme sense of calmness. And the extreme sense of calmness is coming from, okay, I'm in this deep pain, this unbearable pain, and I don't know how else to alleviate it. Okay, I'm going to kill myself. Something about the thought of finally deciding, I'm going to kill myself, brings a sense of calmness. That they finally found a solution to end whatever pain that they were going through. And they finally mentally accept the, the fatality of it. Um, that they've accepted it. That this is the only way out. Um, another sign is people randomly saying things like, I love you or randomly start giving their things like some precious things away. Like say it's my favorite necklace and you one day I decided, I'm just going to give it to you, um, for no apparent reason. Um, things So those are the three popped into my head. Um, but people that also like are always, um, that the biggest thing is thinking of the future. If you don't hear somebody or, I'm trying to figure out how to word it. <laughs> um, future thought, I guess. If they're no longer planning for the future and all of a sudden, it's a it's a complete shift. And it's a shift you'll probably notice. Um, but just don't really pay attention to um, is one thing. Because once you know you're going to die, there's no point to start applying for college because mentally you know you're not going to get there um, type thing. So future thought. Randomly saying I love you or giving things away, and then an extreme sense of calmness would be huge, huge warning signs.
3: Yeah, we're
2: learning so much, and I hope that you guys are like that are listening to the podcast whenever it comes out. Um, you know, you're getting a few things on how to be more sensitive to people who are around you and pay more attention um, to just people who are around you. Um, something that I kind of stumbled on was this photo series by um, Robin Hammond. It's called The Condemned Series, and he's uh, he's from New Zealand. He was born in New Zealand, and then he moved to the UK. Um, and then he just started photographing a lot of human rights and environmental issues. And he did one where he traveled to different African countries um, to just take photos of their, like, mentally ill people. Um, and so he went to Congo, South Sudan, Uganda, Nigeria, um, places that had been ravaged by war and things like that and it kind of got me thinking bringing it to the Nigerian context of the civil war that happened in Nigeria and just thinking about how like that happened but there was never a debrief like my dad was alive when it happened my uncle fought in the war and like there never was a debrief or like a grief counseling or something like their friends died their families died and so it just had me thinking about like what are the repercussions that we're facing now based off of the potential um effects that war could have had on people in Nigeria
1: Oof. <laughs> Oof. heavy
2: mm. I don't even know where to go from there um <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, like, you hear a lot of young people right now who are like, I oh, want Nigeria and, uh, you know, it's over, forgets about it. But then, when you hear an Igbo father saying, well, my child never marry, you know, Yoruba man, is he really saying it because it's tribalist or there's just, like, some, I don't know.
0: Um, This is anyone, and I think, I mean, that's that's a whole different conversation about tribalism. Um, And I think one one thing that came to mind is, and I don't know if that's the beginning of all of this, but I think a lot of times we don't really talk about how we feel in on an emotional level, right? So I don't, and I don't know if the Civil War was the beginning of that, but we don't, as a people, we don't really unpack the meaning of things that happen. So, um. I remember visiting some, my mom knows too many people, oh gosh, somebody, Shad, I went to their house, and he asked me if I knew about, the. uh, I think it's called the pogrom, so when, so right before the Civil War happened, like a lot of, a lot of um, evil Christians were killed in the north, so that that killing, I think it was called the something pogrom, P-O-G-R-O-M, um, and I think Chumamanda Adichie like talked about this in um, Half of the Yellow Sun, if I remember correctly. But that was kind of the catalyst to the civil war, like Ibo Christians being killed in the north. Um, and I remember he asked me if I knew about that, and I was like, mm, Nope. And he's like, What? He, then he was talking to my mom. He's like, Why don't you he like? He's and then he started going on this tangent about how like we don't tell teach our kids these things. Um, and I remember asking my mom, like, what was it like going, I don't know what it was like for my mom growing up in that time. Cause she's never talked about it, never talked about it. Um, so I think there's this habit of going through hard times and not talking about it, or even if it's talked about, it's this matter of, you know, you know, God who who fights my battle for me, or like, you know, powering through it and hustling and trying to make it work. But not talking about how it really affected us, or whoever it is. So I think, like you said, there was no space for debrief, or... You know, I think... Okay, and okay, this is also me trying to push back on my own self. It's like there are different ways to like have a conversation, right? So sometimes it's like, oh, we have to sit down, we have to talk about our feelings. But I know mean, I just read this uh, short story. There's this organization. Or I don't even know if it's an organization called Invisible Borders. So somebody published a short story where it's like there are different ways to have a conversation. So I think for a lot of uh, Nigerians and you know, my family, we don't have we don't you know, ah, we don't talk about feelings, (laughs) you know. It's like, you know, I love you, huh? So, if I yell at you, if I shout at you, if I beat you, like at the end of the day, we all know we love each other, but we're not going to talk about it. So, I think there's this habit or tradition of not talking through how we feel, and so I think historically there hasn't been space for that. So, even now. Yeah, we just don't, you just don't talk about feelings.
4: <laughs> this is Sarah speaking. It's it's funny you bring that up because in, in talking to Yeka yesterday, mm-hmm. I, I was telling her the the core of my profession is basically listening. Hmm. It's basically, you, you know that for an hour, whether it be an hour, just a week, every week, you know that there is one person in this world that is going to listen to any and everything you have to say without judging you that that's ultimately what I do is sit and listen. I, I granted I do more than just listen, but <laughs> there's, there's more to it, but at at the, the 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 root of it is listening. People don't have the space and it and it's probably the the way the world is going now where we're so busybody. We have fifteen hundred things going on that we really don't give time to each other or in essence ourselves sometimes. But the core of it is listening. There's something intimate there's something special about Having someone's full undivided attention and knowing there's nothing you can say that would, I guess, rub me the wrong way or that would piss me off or that would anger me. Or if there's something you say, we're going to sit here and we're going to discuss it like adults. We're, 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 we are going to process through this and we're going to understand why you upset me or why this angered me. And then and, you know, keep it moving from there.
0: Yeah. This is if you know, I'm just gonna say one more thing, um, <laughs> and I think the other part about not talking about feelings or is that I think as Nigerians we really pride ourselves on being strong people, and I think this goes back to like the whole stereotype about like if you have mental illness you're lazy. It's like there's this sort of self pride that ah we're strong we can survive anything, and so we can sometimes we overestimate how much we can go through without breaking down or without talking about what we're struggling with. Um, so I was just going to put that out there, that sometimes we, we do overestimate our capacity to endure trauma.
3: But um, I, speaking about the Civil War, um, it just makes me wonder how many people lived or are living with PTSD in this mm. country like mm-hmm. from that war. Because, I mean to see just to be a witness to a war like that I, I can't even imagine it I can't imagine it and to like rise right after just go back and pretend as if life like it never happened or just try and pretend like life is normal and everything is great like and Nigerians are good at that like covering up emotions, like Yifeiwa said, covering up emotions and just trying to sweep things under the rug and not discuss them and, you know, thinking that certain things aren't that important, and nobody really wants to listen to you anyway. Like, I'm just like, it's actually crazy. Like, I'm happy that you asked that question, Nika, because that's insane. And you know how people in this country, like, like they would express their emotions in different ways. Which is also making me kind of scared. Like, what have people done like what have people done in this country what have they done to people what have they done to themselves in an effort to mask their emotions and their feelings and their mental illness
2: no doubt about that um so we're going to just transition a little bit because we had talked about when people say you have a mental illness they're like ah God forbid you know, not in my generation, you know, or this is my favorite one in every Wood movie. We need to find out that madness does not run in their family, um just like these ideas <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, but my dad said that oh Lord, but you know <sighs> anyway, um yeah, yeah he was he was being funny about like prospects. And he was like, you know, because we need to ask around, make sure that madness is not in their family. And I was just like, that what? Okay, cool. Um, so thinking of the key players, right? Who people would go to there's a mel- mental illness. So we have the psychiatrist slash psychologist slash everything grouped into Yaba left, um, like they call it in in Lagos at least. Um, you have your religious leaders so your pastors or imams and then you have the traditional healers um there was uh an article that i shared with the group about um a dialogue that was created between all three of these parties to ask them like would they recommend the next person for one of their patients Um, Or do they think that somebody else in that field is putting them down? Or how do they think they can collectively um, help alleviate, you know, the problem that's on ground? Do you ever think that science, tradition, and religion can intersect in such a way that they help alleviate, like, community stereotypes, help um, give people who have mental health disorders, the opportunity to, like, you know, actually be normal human beings and treated like, you know, they're just like any one of us.
1: I think so. I think... <laughs> I think so. <laughs> As I'm so
3: quiet, I have to think about this one. Yeah, first.
1: yeah. The thing with religion in Nigeria is that we, you know, we were colonized by the British. We were invaded by the white man and the white man brought their religion to us. And we just ate it hook, line and sinker. Like there was, there was no parsing it out. There was no, (sighs) that's another story for another day. But basically we need to. wrestle with our religion and what people are telling us is correct or what people are feeding to us mm-hmm. like i feel like a lot of nigeria's problems boils down to religious fanaticism fanat- is it fanatism? <laughs> are fanat- what's fanaticism what's the word please
4: <laughs> yes
1: religious and, and like, yeah. it, being a religious fanatic doesn't necessarily mean oh you are You are, you know, a jihadi, or you are a was the was the Christian Mm -hmm. one that they went around a Christian crusader killing everybody around. Mm -hmm. That doesn't, but it just basically means that you are like you are not allowing room for Mm -hmm. any reason or thoughts. Mm -hmm. You are just blindly following something, and that is what a lot of Nigerians do. Mm -hmm. So let's let's examine how we practice our religion. Let's. Mm not to be shy about questioning things. Let's think that there are other possibilities, other explanations for things other than a demon is chasing you or they are chasing you from your village or whatever. Mm. Um, and, and also empathy. Like, I honestly feel like in the past, before Christianity came to Nigeria, our ancestors probably had ways of dealing with mentally ill p- people. You know, there were, like, tactics and things that were done that we've forgotten about or we've completely erased because of newfound religion. I know this is a tangent. This has become a rant against religion. And I, I'm actually a Christian, FYI. So <laughs> in, case, in case you couldn't tell. But, like, yeah, um, basically a reexamination of our beliefs and being more critical.
4: Sarah? <laughs> that was a loaded question. Right. <laughs> um, rephrase rephrase your question for me. Okay. Break it down. So
2: do you feel please, that science, <laughs> whether it be psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors, in addition to religious leaders and, well, I don't know about traditional practices in the U.S., I mean, I guess there might be some maybe New Orleans, I don't know. Um, But how do you think that all of those three things could work together? Do you think they could ever work together to promote... Um, how do I put this? Improve the lives of people who have mental illnesses.
4: Um... Here's, here, here's my personal rant. So this is, this is me speaking for myself and not the profession. Um, that's my disclaimer. Um, do I think it's possible? Yes. However, I, each, you, you listed several positions, um, professions, each within have their own agenda. And within that agenda, they have their own policies and procedures in which they go about fulfilling this agenda. Um, so we can all be trying to help one client. However, each profession and each trade is going to look at it completely differently. Um, and I think at the core, that's just going to complicate the situation even more um, until we core and i i give you an example from the profession we have something we call that's called treatment team and treatment team you have all the helping professions in one room with the client probably parent and guardian and talking about how we see things so if there's a judge in the room if if there's a teacher in the room if as a counselor in the room the teacher's only going to focus on one aspect let's do this and then the judge is walking on one aspect let's do this and then the counselor i i think Unless there's a common agenda and a common goal it'd be it it'd be complicated. Not impossible. It it it'll just be complicated. But yes, it is possible. I feel like I could just confuse y'all.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I understand what you mean by that because if they don't even agree in the first mm-hmm. place that somebody has a mental illness, do you understand what I'm saying? If they can't even come to that consensus, they will be butting yeah. heads about how to What's go even going on, yeah? So I th- I I agree with you that about that, and I think one way that could all three things could 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 help with that is, you know, the healthcare or the professionals can help with you know mm-hmm. therapy and medication and all of that. Then the traditional and spiritual can help with community and making people know that they're not Mm -hmm. alone and giving people that support because your therapist after one hour a week, or however, like, you know, they're not in your, they're not in your daily lives as, as like that, like your friend will be or like your parents will be. So having family and, and be that rock and support. Yeah. That support system is very important and, you know, traditional, whatever traditional things that help you that make you happy you know like we have traditions that make us happy and all of those things so finding ways to accommodate those people making sure that people who are struggling with mental mental health issues are are welcomed in spaces or things are designed so that they can also participate or whatever you know um and uh Religion, religion, you know, it's it, like don't be, don't make them feel like it's their fault that they are ill. You know, you can pray for them and wish them well and support them, but it, there's a way to go about it that they don't feel worse than than where they when they, where they started. So yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, this is if anyone here, and I think I don't know. I, the optimist in me wants to say it's possible, but it's like. I don't know, though. Um, (laughs) Because, I mean, even with... Because, okay, and the reason I say that is because, like, even mental health aside, when it comes to other things, like, that are not mental health related, like, say, I don't know, cancer or, you know, some other kind of illness or trauma that somebody's going to... These three professionals don't necessarily come together. They don't necessarily work together. So it's like, what are we... I don't know, is the aspiration that three of them can work together or they can just acknowledge each other? <laughs> um, because, I mean, even when it comes to things like cancer, like people, you know, you can talk to yourself, you know, I don't know. I think even with therapists, they don't necessarily, depending on who the therapist is, they're, if they're religious or not, they don't always see eye-to-eye religion, right? But they acknowledge that people cling to their faith in times of trauma. Um, and the same thing with, you know, religion. Like, some pastors or, you know, whatever your faith is, I'm a Christian, so that's what I know. Um, not every Christian believes in therapy, right? But they they know that it exists, you know? So it's like... I. Yeah, so this is just a roundabout way of saying like, the hope is that in Nigeria as well as other African countries or not even just African countries, but wherever else, whatever country struggling with this, that we can get to a point where like, you don't have to work together, but you can at least acknowledge each other and acknowledge that there are different ways people can handle what they're going through in life. Um, So, that's, yeah, what I have to say.
3: Um... I know, like in the article that you shared, the conclusion was that you know the the best outcome is if all went to work together, and I'm sure like it all sounds good in theory, dum <laughs> dum but in <laughs> practice, I find that very very difficult. Like, I I just uh-huh. well, I just think it's just going to like it's hard for all three to work together. Um. But I mean if that's the ideal situation then I hope I don't know, but it's just religion in Africa is a big deal. So religion and I don't know. Let me not get into that I not get into that. But I mean yeah, I mean if that's the best solution then sure, I'm all for it. But I don't know if it'll actually work in practice. Okay. Um
2: I asked my brother this question, and the first thing he said to me was, not everything has a spiritual connotation. So if I ate food that had mold, mm. I ate food that had mold. And I would go to the doctor and tell the doctor I, had, I ate food that had <laughs> mold. I wouldn't go to like the pastor and say, please pray for me, I just ate mold. No, you just ate mold. Like...
3: But well, yeahka, the thing about well, like so like the way I was thinking about it, it wasn't really like a like a pastor or a priest, like not necessarily a pastor, or a priest praying the illness way, like mm-hmm. their help can come in different ways, it could be mm-hmm. I know like many priests or many priests mm-hmm. who do like spiritual direction, so it matter of them just listening to your mm-hmm. problems and just helping you plan like mm-hmm. just helping you get through your day, so it's not really them trying to create your illness away. it's like okay there's this person who's just going to listen to like all he has to do is listen to you and you know maybe help you mm-hmm. be a better person you know so mm-hmm. that's like that's the way i was thinking yeah. about it like not just right. i mean in casting that sense and of course i
2: feel like everybody can be a listening ear and sometimes you don't necessarily just have to have that degree or that title like you have friends mm-hmm. and there's so many people who would be shocked to find out that their friends are like depressed just because either you're just not paying attention, you're not listening, um, Snapchat is taking over your life, aka me. Um. <laughs> but yeah, um, thank you guys so much for this conversation. I I know there's so many things that we've left out. If you guys have any questions, Sarah's going to give you her handle. She's going to be our resident like mental health specialist.
1: So she'll give you her. I have something else to add that you don't, it doesn't have to be a, okay, mental, Sarah can probably talk about this more, but in in my experience, I've, I've gone through a bout of, I recently moved to a new city and I was super homesick and I went through a bout of depression and basically your mental health is a continuum, it's a, it's, you know, <laughs> you can't, you can't say, oh, like you never have mental health like you know like i'm so i don't know what like i don't know why i can't articulate my thoughts today i think i'm a little sleepy but basically (laughs) you know how sometimes you get the flu or sometimes you get a stomach bug sometimes you can have like a mental health issue that you need to work through so don't think that don't think it could never happen to you and don't think that it's the end of the world if it does you know um seek the help that you need talk about it if you need it because like everybody you know everybody has a brain everybody has brain chemistry that means everybody's susceptible to mental health um, issues so basically know yourself know when things are off seek help if you you know seek help know when to seek help and don't be ashamed of it we're here for you, NYAC. The ladies of NYAC are here for you if you need somebody to talk to. Um, yeah. I also have something else to add. <laughs> Although I think
3: I really ended this video, I'm sorry to follow up. Um, but like based on what Ifeima I was saying about how um, many people just think just need to sit up and your problems will be fixed like work harder and your issues will be gone like i think so for example anxiety and panic um panic attacks are very very real and i think that like those are two things that are not at all paid attention to in this country like they're like, oh, you're anxious, oh, pray to God and you will leave your mind. <laughs> okay, let me, please, I'm a Christian too, so I believe in God <laughs> but like, I just, I just, like, even things like test anxiety, like people who are very, very intelligent, really, really smart, but when it comes to writing tests, like, it's a real, real problem, like, people just cannot calm themselves down to take tests and as a result many of them fail. but these are really really smart people so just things like that like people are like well, yeah, i just need to like study harder and you pass your exam like maybe that's not the issue maybe it's just that i have anxiety or I, I have panic attacks and those are really those are real those are real things and i don't know we just need to we need to pay more attention to people and we need to be able to pick up on signs that our friends are showing us because there are many times that your friend could be going through something and you just don't see it you don't pick up on it so i'm really grateful for sarah for giving us those tips of you know things to notice when is suicidal it's just there are so many things that people are going through that you just like we're always thinking about ourselves like sometimes we just need to be selfless and pay attention to others you know because somebody could be going through something very very serious and you you wouldn't pick up on this it until it's too late, and that's just the worst. The worst. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, and this is the thing. I just want to add one more thing very quickly. Um, I follow a lady who's called Ashley Ford. Her name is Ashley Ford. Um, and I, I think it was a couple weeks ago. She tweeted a couple things about mental health that I think is very relevant. Um, I'm glad that um Sarah gave us some. Um, some, I guess, some symptoms that you, one might, you know, manifest if they're going, they're suicidal. But something that Ashley tweeted that I think it's important is that not everybody's depression looks the same. Um, not everybody's mental illness looks the same. And I, I, I'll try to find this article, but it's talked about functional depression and how, I, I think, I think it was last year where there was like, a couple kids committed suicide in some high school in Palo Alto. And it was kind of crazy because they were, like, really smart kids. They were really doing well. They were involved in a lot of extracurricular activities. And it just took the whole community by surprise by that these kids um committed suicide. And they were like, oh, my God, they were smart. They had the scholarship to Harvard, and their life was going, and, you know, and nobody saw coming. So it's very possible that someone... Is going to work every day, is in school, is involved in a lot of activities, and they're still depressed. Because I can see situations where it's like, oh, I'm going through depression, and you're like, ah, uh-uh. ah, yeah, no, it's, you know, you don't look depressed. Uh, no, okay, it does not work like that. So not everybody's, you know, depression looks the same. So I think also keeping that in mind, um, you know, knowing yourself and knowing what is normal.
2: Sarah, do you have any last words before we round up the episode with some? um fun
4: stuff <laughs> um i'm going to go back to anxiety cause, um or at what the, feel what you feel i think we are so conditioned to only feeling certain things and staying away from feeling certain things like it's okay to be sad It's okay to feel anxiety. It's okay. That is your body's natural response. (laughs) That is, that's an alert. Say, hey, something's not right. You need to, you know, pay close attention to such and such. Feel whatever you feel. It is okay to feel whatever you feel. Just don't find yourself consumed by it. Um, and then know, know who to reach out to. There's, tons of people willing to help and willing to listen you are not alone um yeah that's all i got
2: thank you for that well you guys have heard it all here on our nyc episode on mental health um just make sure that you're you're looking out for signs um and you're just loving on people because really that's that's all we need just love um on that note any buddy, looking forward to anything fun this coming week, or oh, want to share something fun that happened last week, what are you reading, Watch.
0: Hi guys, okay, this is Ifeo, and um, speaking about mental health, <laughs> I'm reading a memoir on um, she, I, I was going to say anyways, uh, I'll take it back, start again, I'm reading a memoir written by a journalist um, and it's called Rain on Fire, Um, and I believe her name is Susanna Callahan, and so she is working at the New York Post, and a couple years ago, she, she, there was a month where she had, um, manic and depressive episodes and hallucinations, and for a month, she just doesn't really have, um, a clear memory of what happened to her in that month, but she went through, um, yeah, she just had, like, mental health issues that month, and I'm reading, um, her memoir on what happened and she's, you know, like a typical journalist. She collected like videos and interviewed her family members and boyfriend and the doctors to gather information on what happened in that month. Um, that she can't that she went mad. Um, so that's what I'm reading. And thanks to Oyeka's recommendation, I just finished watching um season one and I'm up to date on season two of Skinny Girl in Transit. Which is (laughs) on YouTube and it's amazing. Uh, It's a Nigerian um, YouTube series on uh, Ndani TV, their YouTube channel. Uh, So yeah, that's what I'm reading and watching.
3: This is Amayo. Um, Let's see. So I recently decided to um, pick up reading again because. I don't know, I just feel like I got so carried away with other things in life, and I just, in my mind, I thought I didn't have time to read. It just sounds too stupid to me now, but now I realize that if you really, really want to do something, you make time for it. So I'm back to my one true love of reading books, <laughs> and I also want to read more African literature, so I I, I just finished reading um, um. Ama Ata uh Changes a Love Story, and I'm now reading Uchi and Second Class Citizen, and I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying this. I just feel like I've been missing out on so much, and uh, there's just something about reading a book and being able to relate with the characters, or at least know where they are coming from,
1: so yeah. Uh, this is Ife, so... I don't know if I, did I mention this or, already, that I went for a poetry book launch? Guys, can you remember? Okay, I guess I didn't. Okay. So this is, this is belated <laughs> what I was up to. But basically I went for a poetry book launch. The poet is, hmm. I'm so, I'm I'm sorry, please forgive me. Sanae Bangura, and her book of poetry is Elephant. So she, the 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 theme is confronting the elephant in the room and talking about things that are uncomfortable to talk about. So she is an immigrant from Syria alone, and she talks about her immigrant experience for as a little child when you know she goes to when she has to go for field trips and everybody has their British passport, that she's the only one. With her serilonian passport and she they have to get stopped at the border because she's the you know she's the only one that necessitates a severe passport uh, passport check and she talks about gentrification and she you know reads the hell out of gentrification let me find this let me even like find a passage to read she talks about um she talks about loving yourself as a black woman and the and the the standard of the the western standard of beauty and how some of us you know some of us at some point in our lives we've tried to confirm and she talks about like you know the chemical the 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 like bleaching cream and how we burn ourselves and anyway it's beautiful so yeah that's what I'm reading and that's what I've done on recently, she's she's a really good poet. Like black women, be doing the damn thing though. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I found the poem. Okay, let me let me read one. You told them that you don't like your skin. You cried because it's too dark. You're trying to be more like honey or caramel. You've accepted that complete snow is too much work. You buy bottles and bottles of the stuff, and you buy perm too to de kink and unkink you you set yourself on fire every day three times a day you scrub and scrub cocoa is not for you How fires on your head in your chest in your bones and in the marrow and your one smooth chocolatey skin is now scorched earth as you pick off the scales wipe off the blood clean the pus from your harassed scalp you gently lift the remaining now thin hairs in your rituals of abuse the mirror and your mother are your enemies and you are the enemy worst of all afraid that the sun will undo 10 years of hard work and the hundreds of years of climbing up the casts be mindful not to swing you're not a monkey like the rest and next on your list is your bulbous nose You want the nostrils thinner. You want the tip sharper. Anyway, it's really long, but it's like beautiful. So that's just a snippet. Basically, uh, it's called Scorched Earth Skin. Scorched Earth, and um, her book, her book of poetry, is on Amazon. I I think it's like, I think it's maybe only on Amazon UK. I don't know if it's on Amazon US. But anyway, go check it out. She's awesome. She's also on Twitter. Um, I'll put her information in our episode description but yeah her work is flames flames emoji flames emoji hundred emoji
4: um i have no life but but when i do i binge watch criminal minds on netflix <gasps> You do?
0: Oh, oh my, my god. That is my show.
4: Maybe it's to season six. I am now in season six. We we are we are pushing through. Oh
0: my god. Um, Anyways, okay. I'll
2: spoil it for you. Cool. All right. Uh Oh over here and I am looking forward to going to China on Saturday. Whoop, whoop super excited. Um, after all the ordeals, y'all. And I can just totally relate. I had to go to Chicago like three times because I was Nigerian. But, you know, that'll be in a different episode. Um, If you're following me on Snapchat, you probably heard my rant already. Um, As far as entertainment, um, I have another recommendation for you guys. So I've got two. The first one is um, Rumor Has It, and it's another Andani TV series episode. Um, And it's so funny because one of the lines from, I think, episode two was where her mom was like, you know you people you're in your generation, you people are not strong. I'm just like, what do you, know what? Check yourself. But so yeah, definitely watch that. There are only three episodes. So if you want to wait till it's, the season is all done and then binge watch them all, that's fine. But I have no patience. Um, and the second one is Wano Room 313. It's also on YouTube. And it's just um, an experimental series that she created um, which actually was to honor her friend's dad that had just passed. Um, but it was just a way of listening to people talk about their experiences, with trauma. Um, yeah, so two recommendations for you guys. On that note, thank you guys for listening. Remember to review, to rate on iTunes. We are Not Your African Cliché. You can follow us on the Twitter. We are at Podcasts on facebook we are not your african cliche um did i miss anything on soundcloud we are not your african cliche stitcher we are not your african cliche please 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 send us messages we want to know what you're thinking about our episodes thanks to all the people who have given us feedback um, and comments we love you guys cue music